0: And we're back on the Eastern Target Archery Podcast. My special guest today, the Secretary General of World Archery, our friend Mr. Tom dillon in Lausanne, Switzerland. Tom, thanks for joining us. Thank you, George. Pleasure as always to be here. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about, a lot to cover today. There's a lot of uh, a lot of breaking news and some things that are going on in World Archery circles and Olympic circles that we'll cover today as well as uh, look at the effects of some other things going on that will uh, have some impact on some things that are going on, like the World Indoor Archery Series, which is going on and has already had its first stage, which seems to be a big success so far.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. We, we've been really, I would say, uh, uh, surprised by the effect it has, and and especially also it's it's really is a, a great international event and, and we have countries participating. We didn't anticipate at all. Uh, we are looking at 93 countries and we passed 4,500 entries already for next weekend. Uh, and uh, we will see what, uh, what the final number will be for this one. But I, I, knowing that last time entries uh, came in quite late for some people, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we break five thousand for next weekend.
0: That is incredible. I mean, I think we can say unequivocally that that is the largest participation in any single tournament that I've ever heard of.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure if we can call it a tournament, knowing that it's it's done all over the world. But for sure, it is amazing the numbers, and also the numbers I would say from certain countries is is even more amazing. Uh, it is clear we see the countries where certain restrictions are still in place that are not able to to compete Uh, i I give the example for instance of of great britain we have 140 entries but i'm convinced that if the restrictions would be uh, lifted and people could go to their clubs or to their uh, ranges there would be many more but what is the the two countries that really uh, i would say amazes me amaze me are indonesia Uh, 450 entries, and uh, Malaysia, 533 entries, which is the biggest country in number of entries. And uh, finally, we start to understand why uh, Malaysia always has great figures in terms of viewership at the Olympic Games, because there is definitely a lot of activity in Malaysia.
0: That is a surprise to me. I would not have anticipated those two countries as being Big participants in an indoor event, particularly, but yes, club archery. Is, go ahead.
1: Yeah, and this is this is the, the question we ask because definitely they are not shooting indoor as such, and and it's a discussion uh, I had uh, already with some people, uh, and and is the eighteen meter round an indoor round or not? And and this is perhaps one of the conclusions we will have to draw going further. Is perhaps we should remove the whole? I would say indoor specification for 18 meters because it's definitely around that is available for all kinds of levels and it's in the end it's irrelevant if it's indoor or outdoor.
0: Well and in fact uh, you might argue that there might be an advantage to shooting it indoors uh, and perhaps a small disadvantage to shooting it outdoors but at the end of the day it's archery at 18 meters which whichever cover they have or don't have, doesn't really matter, as you point out.
1: So uh, it's, it's amazing that those two countries are the two biggest entry countries uh, for next weekend. Uh, and uh, it shows that uh, it doesn't matter if it's indoor or outdoor, you're shooting 18 meters.
0: It also shows that people are really eager to participate in world archery level events. I think that that is very clear.
1: Absolutely. Now it, it is clear that people are hungry for competitions even if uh, I would say uh, some of them would have liked to have physical on-site competitions, but at least with the online tournament, we have an alternative and it's working.
0: So far, the World Series was intended to be a combination of online and smaller live events, but we've had some recent developments. Um, those uh, Those of you who listen to the podcast know that Bruce Cull and the NFAA uh, have had to make some changes to the plans for Vegas this year. And now we learn that uh, there will also be some adjustments for the NEM European Indoor. Can you tell us the impact of those calendar changes and those event, uh, shall we say, reconstructions on the original plan for the indoor archery world series?
1: For the Indoor World Series, as such, it doesn't have a real impact so far in the sense that, so the individual uh, ranking um, was going to take the results, of course, of those two events you mentioned, Neem and Vegas. Uh, So there might be, I would say, less archers in the end participating in that individual ranking as such. But the, the, the clear decision was already taken before the start of, of any of, of the tournaments that this year there wouldn't be no Indo World Series final. Uh, the only thing that we had uh, had planned and still have planned is a team uh, final competition that was scheduled to be after the whole season was finished. And that is still planned to go on. Uh, because as, that's as, an, that, as an
0: in-person event, is that right, Tom? That particular as an in- one?
1: as an in-person event, but not necessarily in the same location. The idea is if, is to see how much we can regroup people in certain locations, but it will be run like the, the tournament we did in May and June with remote production and, and remote setup uh, if uh, we can't bring people in the same venue as such. Um, the changes we, we had to do was, uh, for instance, the, the first Uh, Event that was scheduled in Lausanne, we had to move it uh, from a normal tournament to an invitational tournament and take it to another part of of Switzerland. Um, And since we couldn't do it in Lausanne, the one next weekend uh, on the 20th of December is planned in Lausanne now. uh, So far, we have authorization to do it, but things change from day to day, so we will see if we can have it on the 20th. But in, in anyway, if we can't do it. Again, it's not the end of the world uh, because it's 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 uh, individuals as such for the individual ranking. Uh, the only sad part of it would be that we won't have any TV images which we had for the first invitational. Then uh, we had, following the move of uh, Nim, moved uh, the Lausanne normal event to the dates of Nim. Again, there I have no idea on what the situation will be in the the weekend uh, of the the 15th of January, as such. And then we'll see what happens with Nim, uh, because um, the French have had some new announcements uh, uh, two two days ago, uh, and we will see what the impact of that will be. If they can do it end of January, who knows? Maybe they will go for the dates of, of Vegas now. Who knows?
0: It's very possible. I would say that the watchword is flexibility. Uh, you know, when you when you first devised this plan for the indoor World Series, I think that a, a degree of flexibility was built into both the plan and the rules. And I believe that you have a situation here where we're going to need to be flexible on calendar items as well. The bonus yeah, stage, yeah. the bonus stage for NEEM now is tentatively set for the end of January. Um, as you alluded to, there's going to be a stage three at the world archery excellence center, um, in Lausanne, Switzerland right now, as it stands 15 to 17 of January before, before Neem. Um, and, and of course, you know, with what's developed with the Vegas shoot, there's going to be some changes there too. I, I think this whole thing has proven to be an exercise in flexibility.
1: Yeah, and all, all credit to, I would say, to, to Bruce and, and Olivier for, for, I would say, taking the tough decisions because uh, both, I would say, organizations behind are very much dependent on, on the success of both events because they invest a lot of uh, resources in those two events. And, uh, and OK, the, the question is in how far, I would say, decisions taken for this year will affect the coming years, because uh, uh, it is clear that the the idea is that it continues for a a much longer time, and and, uh, we will have to see how they can manage to, I would say, do what they can do this year, but especially taking the right decision to make sure that they can do it again in a normal way in the next season, because that's, I think, what every Archer uh, in the world once because they they really, I would say, uh, like those two events a lot. Uh, and uh, we really need to have both NIM and Vegas back to normal as soon as possible. And if that means uh, making certain decisions, tough decisions this year, well, then that's what has to be done.
0: Yes, I think that that is absolutely the consensus from archers and participants in these events is we want to be back to normal events where people can get together and shoot safely. And I also think that, um, you know, if you look at social media and some of the things people have said, they're, they're saying things like, well, it would have been better to just cancel Vegas. And I disagree. I think that having this sort of compromise event gives the groundwork for us to have the real event next year. If we don't do that, the danger is that we lose infrastructure, we lose the ability of organizations to have live events once things restart. No one is going to suggest that this is the best way to do archery, but it is the only way right now.
1: Yeah, and I think there is there is two other factors. Uh, like you said, uh, the 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 wish of people to continue organizing. I I, I talked with some federations and uh, organizers that have been doing it for years, and and I. <laughs> I'm, I'm organizing uh, locally an event as well. And OK, you ask yourself the question. Uh, we have now uh, moved uh, the one in Lausanne two times already. If I have to move it the third time. Uh, uh, do I really want to continue moving it? And do I really want to continue organizing it? A certain moment, those questions will be asked by many organizers. And, and the other one is, of course, the actors. If you don't have some kind of event, and even it, if it's online, and even if it's virtual, uh, if you need to have an event because if you don't have an event, you won't keep on practicing because you don't have objectives. And if people don't keep on practicing, they won't keep on being member of a club, and and member of a federation, and then the whole system collapses at a certain moment.
0: Yes, and that's exactly right. And that that is why that is the the real why is to preserve the initiative of people to continue to participate until we get back to a more normal situation. And I think, you know, with uh, some of the news going on regarding the availability of vaccines and some other things, that there is reason for us to be hopeful that as we get into the summer, we will potentially uh, see how things go now. (laughs) You know, as we've learned, there's no telling, but, for sure, uh, we need to stay hopeful and stay positive about this, and and uh, continue these efforts because it is what the archery family around the world needs at this time.
1: Absolutely, and I think uh, you mentioned vaccines, and and these vaccines. There is also, I would say, the medical pro- uh, profession getting more and more uh, information on, on what what is a real uh, uh, issue and what is not, and and okay. Uh, um, I'm meeting everyday people that have had uh, the COVID uh, infection, and, and some some have been, I would say, uh, only a few days. Uh, I would say, with less energy, and some other people, unfortunately, have passed away. And, and uh, it's it, and it's not something only about age; it's about uh, probably uh, the DNA of the person, the way it was uh, the infection happened, and so on and so on. So, and, but I think more and more we will have clarity, and like you say, there is the vaccine, and uh, for sure, the, I can tell you, the moment it's available, I will take it uh, because uh, it, it is too important to get back to normal situation. Absolutely,
0: and I think that uh, you know, I mean, you and I both know some archers who've had it, and uh, thankfully have recovered and some other people have been impacted more severely and like you say it it impacts different people very differently and i think that uh once there is a clear path to getting out from under this we all need to do our part to do what we can to uh to assist with that and that you know that's going to mean different things in different places but you know that we're 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 doing what we can to try to keep the sport going right now and i think that's you know, that's obviously the focus we're not medical professionals either of us but i will say that uh, there, there seems to be positive step forward here so that's a very positive development and uh, that is actually a reasonably good segue to the next portion of our discussion which is the recent visit to tokyo of the president of the international olympic committee uh mr thomas bach who has uh, had a successful visit to Tokyo. Um, he went through quarantine for a period of time, and then was able to uh, go around Tokyo, looking at the venues. And um, I, I have the impression uh, that, uh, in spite of the current surge in the cases in Japan, President Bach has expressed confidence that things are moving forward in a positive way for the games.
1: Absolutely, I think I. Today, I would say uh, we, uh, there is no discussion anymore. Will there be games or not? I think that that is that is uh, not up for discussions anymore. There will be Olympic games. There will be Paralympic games in Tokyo. So that's that. I think is that uh, discussion is over. The, the The only question is what type of games we will have, and and there uh, Tokyo has made uh, enormous steps forwards in terms of looking at how athletes and and people in the Olympic village, like coaches and team leaders uh, will be taken care of. And I think um, as uh, we are probably athletes listening to this, you should not be, uh, I would say, afraid of what uh, will happen in in Tokyo, if you are going to Tokyo. I think from that point of view, everything is really taken care of uh, as such. We have made some, small, I would say, uh, changes, Uh, for instance, we will have one archer per target. Uh, We, of course, will uh, have to wear masks everywhere we go. Um, There will be certain restrictions in place. Um, uh, For instance, a very simple one is that public transport should be avoided. Um, And okay, there will be things that will not be happening like normal. I think one of the, the things that that we have the habit of at Olympic Games is okay, when someone wins the medal, there's a big celebration in this respective uh, house of the NOC concerned. I think those things will be much more limited or not existing as such. Uh, But I will not take away the the gold medal moment. Someone is on the podium and wins that gold medal, listens to the anthem and and have spectators uh, congratulating the athletes. Now, how many spectators there will be I don't know. How many of those spectators will be outside of Japan? I don't know. But these are in a certain sense details in the whole uh, atmosphere in the sense that the athletes there will perform. The ones that perform better than others will win the gold medal uh, and then uh, they will be able to go home and celebrate with their friends and family that gold medal uh, that they work for for five years this time, uh, and uh, and we'll be able to 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 celebrate that, uh, and then or retire or start th- thinking about Paris.
0: Absolutely, you know, um, President Bach said that uh, the IOC will arrange to ensure vaccination of participants and visitors before arriving in Japan. But he also pointed out that it would not be a requirement for games participants. I think, however, that um, you know the news of successful vaccines has lifted hopes, and and made it uh, clear that the possibility of having spectators is now there. Whereas before, there was a lot of discussion about no spectators, and I think that makes a huge difference in the atmosphere for for our event. You know, it's been since since 1988 we've had big cheering crowds for archery, which has energized the sport. It has made it. I would say the crowd is as much a part of the presentation as anything and um, that possibility of having people there to cheer whether it's an all Japanese crowd or people are allowed to come in um, is a very positive thing and and I am personally hopeful that that is going to be part of of what we have at Yuminoshima at the venue in Tokyo.
1: This is the good news, I have one more year to learn that name without uh... Being, being i would say insulting the japanese uh, so that's the good thing that i can work on the my japanese pronunciation of dream island for one more year
0: i'm happy to uh, help tom
1: all, all, all jokes <laughs> apart uh no i think this is true um spectators in the stands is important now um let's face it if if it is three thousand instead of four thousand that won't make a huge difference. uh, Absolutely. Except of course, in terms of, I would say, giving the possibility for people to get a ticket, uh, which would be a shame that some people that want to see it won't be able to see it. But uh, on the other hand, the the most people that watch the games are on television. And for sure, uh, broadcast will do a
0: fantastic job to make sure that those games happen and are seen worldwide. Absolutely. You know, I I just I brought it up because two months ago, if you and I were having a a beer and talking about this, we would have said, you know, there's probably not going to be any spectators, no chance of it. And now, at least the door is open a little bit.
1: Absolutely, I'm fully in agreement that two months ago, that would have been the position.
0: And so I think you know that's at least we're having a, a little more dialogue that's more open to something more normal. It won't be, I, we know it won't be normal, but it will be closer to something like normal. Speaking of the Olympic games, one of the important things for our sport will be the last World Cup event uh, before the games. Can you give us an update on where things stand for the Paris final qualifying tournament?
1: Well, I think that the update is quite positive. We are regularly in, in contact with the organizing committee. Um, we just had the news today that uh, the French uh, Federation had their election and the same team has been Uh, re-elected so that's uh, uh, I would say that that that's helpful as well Uh, even if I would say the the whole organization is not I would say uh, purely the the French Federation it's also uh, an organizing committee linked to the French Federation but that will be helpful for sure so that's Uh, We're also uh, working with them to to already see that event in line with the Paris Olympic Games because uh, the same people will be involved uh, in 21 till 23 and 24. Uh, But in particular, in terms of the the Olympic qualifiers, so that will be the three days preceding the actual World Cup stage uh, that is on track. We are looking at uh, how we're going to broadcast it on schedule. Uh, and how it will work uh, on a specific way. There will be challenges. There might be some people that might not be able to make it. Uh, but, uh, well, that's, that's, that is as it is. And, okay, even without COVID, that would have been the same. Uh, so, uh, we expect that this could be the, the biggest one, even with restrictions in place, bigger than the one we had uh, in uh, 2016 and in 2012.
0: Shifting gears, we have in the past uh, decade, we have seen a shift in how world archery uh, executes decisions and how world archery is able to be a little more uh, flexible in terms of dealing with things as they come up. At at one time in the past, uh, world archery needed to have a Congress, which happens every two years, generally around a world championship in order to make any major decisions. And that has evolved and turned into a more flexible approach where the executive committee of World Archery can make some running changes as things go along. And as we speak, you are just concluding an executive committee meeting, which took place virtually. Um, can and, and you alluded to as before we started the podcast, you alluded to some things that are to be announced. So let's jump in.
1: Yeah, I, it's, uh, I, and some, of, some of the changes that were, were taken are not, I would say, uh, uh, so uh, fantastic that it's worth mentioning them in, in the podcast. There's a lot of editorial things that were changed, but there's one change that was made uh, which will please some people and will not please some others, uh, which is um, uh, before the 29 season, we introduced the, the double shoot-off uh, for outdoor, where if someone shot a 10 Uh, I voted out to show the 10 at the first shoot of. There was a second shoot of guaranteed. Um, And then it was closest to center, and the same for the X for compound. And uh, this was a proposal that came from our coaches' committee, and the coaches' committee still believed that this was a good choice. But we have two other committees, uh, Target Committee and especially the Athletes' Committee, that uh, unanimously. uh, stated that they thought that they believed that it would be a good change, but the conclusion after uh, one year of shooting is that it didn't really bring anything. And why is that second arrow better than the first one? So the board decided to to follow both target and updates committee, and uh, to go back to the situation of a single arrow shoot off close to center, independent if it's a a 10 or another arrow.
0: I wholeheartedly agree. I think that my personal experience I announced several events in Asia where the second arrow was required. And I personally feel that uh, this is a good plan to to go back to the way things were. I think it is a good plan to test things. I think it's a perfectly valid way to establish whether something that is discussed in theory works well in the real world. I'm not even going to say it didn't work well in the real world, but I do think that it raises the question of why Uh, if if you have an arrow that's a liner 10 and an arrow that's in the middle of the 10 and then you have to shoot again that raises the question of why and i think that uh that sounds like a very good decision just looking at this objectively as someone who occasionally helps to present these things i would say that it makes it a much clearer uh, if you have a clear winner and and to me a clear winner is yeah closest to 10 it's you can visually see it that's, I think, reason enough to call a winner at that point. So it sounds like a, a, a well-considered, you know, it was well-considered to try it, and I think it's well-considered to go back to the way things were.
1: Yeah, and, and exactly. And then, like you said, the, the the biggest difficulty was to explain to people outside of archery um, because uh, they had a hard time understanding it. I they, they understand the concept of a shoot-off, but the concept of a double shoot-off in case that um uh, that didn't work uh and uh so it's 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 something that okay uh, like i said we, we had to test it. it there was good reasoning behind why it is being done but sure. Uh, sure. we we see that uh, um, the conclusion is that we will remove it uh there is other changes uh which uh, we, we might be able to to tell about uh, after we we pass the deadline for our Congress uh, changes uh, in uh, April uh, next year, where there's some other things on the table that we're going to discuss, which could include uh, different number of arrows, different uh, target phase size, uh, uh, different scoring for compound and so on and so on. But I, I would say many of those things need some testing before they can actually be implemented and, and, and finalized. And uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I think, uh, again, with the, with the online formats that we're going to see the coming uh, uh, days, we, we might see also uh, some some inputs on, on what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Uh, another thing that we decided, which is uh, um, something uh, of a first initial step towards that is that we we approved uh, a, a change or an addition to our, our rule uh, book that uh, establishes the the whole aspect of virtual online and, and e-sport uh, into our rules. And I think this is something that that will take uh, uh, some importance towards the future in terms of that we could have uh, at some stage an online world championship.
0: So that's a potential that could be there to uh, perhaps be a little more on the recreational side on some level, or do you think it would be a premier event where you'd have the top shooters participating? Too soon to tell.
1: Uh, I think it's – some of you might be aware, last uh, Wednesday uh, there was the first uh, Cycling virtual cycling world championships and uh, the winner has won uh, the same uh, rainbow jersey that uh, world uh, regular championships uh, give to the winner uh, and it was on a on a, a platform an electronic platform with people on on uh, bikes at home and uh, uh, there's a men and a women world champion and, and uh, let's see what we as archery can do similar to that.
0: Tom, I want to thank you for joining us on the podcast today. There's a a lot still going on. It's still a fluid situation, and so I hope you'll be able to join us again soon as things continue to develop and hopefully in a really positive way.
1: Absolutely, and uh, I think uh, the 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 message clearly is archery is continuing, and uh, I, I can imagine that like uh, many uh, many of us wanted to meet. Uh, in many events next year. And uh, uh, well, unfortunately it won't be in in things like Vegas, but having said that, uh, for the moment it's virtual and then uh, in reality, as soon as things are back to as normal as possible.
0: And that is the real message. We we want to get back to in-person archery as soon as possible and as safely as possible. Tom Dillon, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, George.